Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am Matt Harmon and... It's back, the regular podcast with Dalton Del Don that we did last year. This is season two of it, our Stat Nerd podcast. We've upgraded, though, Dalton, because now we're no longer Stat Nerd Wednesday. We're now Stat Nerd Thursday, which gives us an extra time to pour over spreadsheets, notes, uh, just, you know, be completely deep in that pro football reference page or whatever. But, man, how you doing, my guy? I'm doing well. It's super busy. I know you've been extra busy today shooting video. I'm personally in far too many drafts this year. I'm ready for the season to start, man. I know. I I still almost can't really believe that like there's literally a game. I mean, when people are listening to this, there will be a game later today. We're going to talk about it, Uh, like actually break down a real game that's going to happen. I feel like this year it snuck up on me more than ever. But you know what? That doesn't mean I'm any less excited for football to be here. But before we get into all that, Got a little pre-show business here. If you haven't already signed up for a Yahoo Fantasy Football League, and of course, if you already have, sign up for some more. You can never be... I know Dalton just said he's in way too many drafts, but don't listen to Dalton. You can add a couple. Whatever your league amount is, it's definitely less than whatever Dalton's in. So you can afford to get in a few more leagues. And while you're at it, sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Take it for a test drive with the free trial. You can do all that at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Now, I, I don't really know that we're going to totally get into too many stat nerd heavy topics here today, Dalton, because um, breaking news, there, there haven't been any games yet. So um, I don't know that we need to like take too big of a deep dive into last year or anything like that. So I think we'll just kind of hit some breezy news items here. There's actually kind of a lot in terms of, uh, listen, football's back. That means the injury report is back in our lives. And like, you know, tirelessly pouring over the whole injury situation. Uh, that's definitely back in our lives. So we'll, we'll mostly hit on that. We'll hit on Thursday night football and we'll save the big stat nerd heavy stuff for next week. But let's just jump right into kind of, I guess one of the bigger stories right now in fantasy football, which is that the Ravens, they signed Trenton cannon to their active roster, but more notably they signed Le'Veon bell to their practice squad. Uh, what was your reaction to this? And do you think bell is worth rostering at all? Yeah, maybe I'm off base here, but producer Brett yesterday after I had our, we recorded a, a betting the lines a week one podcast asked, oh, should we come back and revisit this after signing? And I said, yeah, admittedly, I was about ready to head out and badly mangle some golf links, but um, nine holes. <laughs> but also, I'm like, dude, this does not move the needle at all for me. I mean, I I'm not 
I, I mean, there are worse ways to spend your last roster spot, I guess. But sure. I mean, he's number three running back at uh, his age, you know, on a, with a running quarterback. I mean, not really. No, Le'Veon Bell, I would personally not roster on any and any teams. But I mean, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for like the last round flyer, but nothing more than that for me. What about you, Harmon? Yeah, I mean, right now he's not even on the active roster. So like like we're assuming he gets called up at some point, um, most likely. But that's not a given right now, at least, you know. Uh, so let's say theoretically he's on the practice squad for like two weeks. He's going to be the first guy you want to cut. So, you know, that's fine, I guess, right? Like for whatever hot waiver wire pick is out there in the next couple of weeks, you're going to want to be after that guy. You're not going to want to be holding Le'Veon Bell in favor of that, you know, large upside unknown. So, yeah, I mean, you could have him as kind of, if you're still drafting, um, you could take him as like your last round guy. He's the total end of your bench, but I'm not that excited about it either. And and the point about the running quarterback is important here because Le'Veon Bell's best attribute theoretically should be his receiving work. Baltimore, but running backs just do not catch passes, period. Um, they rarely see over four targets in any given game. Like the thing that Bell should still be best at at this point in his career is just not going to be a factor for this Ravens team. So I think that's the biggest one of the many impediments to him reaching any sort of theoretical upside. But I don't know about you, Dalton, but I kind of always expected this, even once J.K. Dobbins went down, to be sort of a 60-30-10 split, right, between Gus Edwards, Tyson Williams, and then Justice Hill. I mean, yeah, right. Like, then Justice Hill gets hurt. That's why they sign Lev Bell and Trenton Cannon. Like a best case scenario is that Le'Veon Bell takes that 30% role. I don't think there's any shot he supplants Gus Edwards. So, yeah, it's tough to envision the path to upside there. Yeah, I mean, as, as down as I am on 29-year-old Bell, I guess it is worth saying that he did take snaps away from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So maybe this isn't the best news for, I guess, Gu- Gus Edwards. But yeah, yeah exactly, Lil. You're right, though. Like, Justice Hill was going to take the other 10%. So it's just going to maybe go to Bell until he gets hurt. And I mean, the guy's almost 30 years old. I, I, I don't, I, whatever. I, I really don't see this as a threat at all to Gus Edwards. I wouldn't worry too much. And I wouldn't raise, waste a roster spot. But um, I don't know. I, to me, it's a long shot at this point of his career. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, even in a best case scenario, let's say Lev Bell is like, you know, 80% of what he was with the Steelers, which I think is, that's being generous, in my opinion. I think that's being very, very generous. He's 80% of that player. Like, what's what's the theoretical upside in this offense with the guy who's going to split touches? You know, and they like Gus Edwards, you know. It's not as if they, like, they gave Gus Edwards $10 million over two years, which at the running back position is a pretty good chunk of change for a backup committee type guy. So, um, yeah, I just don't see the path to weekly usability for Lev Bell at all. So, I mean, yeah, I think Dalton, you and I are probably on the same page. This running back news, I think, is more interesting for a couple of different reasons. Uh, The Saints released Latavius Murray. You could kind of see the writing on the wall with this one. You know, there were some rumors that he might not make the active roster at the end of training camp. Tony Jones, who's now the second running back there. Um, Nick Underhill, who does a great job uh, covering that team for his own website. He's been kind of embedded with the Saints for years. He said that Jones's patience and vision were a big reason that he ended up making Latavius Murray expendable to the point that, you know, they asked him to take a pay cut and he said no. And then so they just cut him one way or another, bro. You're getting a cut. It's either your pay or you are getting cut in this situation. And it turns out he ends up being the one that's cut. Jones basically just out 
played Murray for this spot anyways, at least from a cost-adjusted uh, standpoint. Uh, what was your reaction to this one? Uh, I, I was not very surprised personally. Yeah, no, if you had been paying attention, you're right. This was not shocking. It is kind of, I guess, some people could consider it dirty, the timing of his release. But uh, he would have been another candidate to join this uh, aforementioned Baltimore backfield. But 31-year-old Murray, I mean, whatever. I, I This looked to me like he was at best going to split backup duties with Tony Jones. Kamara's just, to me, looking at a career-high workload with no Michael Thomas and Winston winning that job. So arrow pointing straight up there. And uh, Tony Jones, you look at, you open up his player profiler, the workout metrics are ugly. I mean, they're, they're bottom <laughs> of the barrel stuff. But, you know, there's been plenty of productive backs before in the NFL who's better on you know, their gameplay than those metrics. And clearly he's impressed throughout summer. He's the clear number two guy. And New Orleans has, you know, arguably the number one offensive line in football. So he has to be considered right there, you know, among the uh, up upside uh, backup running backs now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like in comparison to Le'Veon Bell, I am so much more excited to oh. draft Tony Jones oh, yeah. at the end 100%. of my draft. Like, I think he should be on Every single, I don't know what his roster ship percentage is on Yahoo leagues right now. I don't care. It needs to be higher. He should be on like every single bench at this point, you know, because he, there's like, he's not going to be quite in the, the role that we envisioned Gus Edwards having, right? Where he was going to have like weekly usability because he was going to be a big factor in the backfield, but also had that incredible upside like the AJ Dillons this year. You know, he's not in that group where like, I think AJ Dillon's going to get like legit playing time and be a guy that could be in like, what the heck flex territory. But there's a chance that Tony Jones could be in that area because the saints have wanted to be an fit. I don't know if they want to be a voluminous rushing attack, but they've always wanted to be a strong, efficient rushing attack. You'd think that they're probably not going to be as pass leaning as in previous years, just because Drew Brees is no longer there. Like there's a chance that they could be a bit more run heavy as an overall team this year. So I think there's a chance that Jones actually could have some low end desperation flex appeal. And then obviously he would have monster upside if anything was to happen to Kamara. Yeah, he needs to be rostered in all formats. And uh, as much as I'm in on Kamara now, argument for the number two pick, I think uh, with that increased workload becomes increased injury risk too, you know? So yeah, yeah, Tony Jones, absolutely. uh, Definitely on the radar. Yeah, this Saints, I really think that we're going to see a Saints offense that looks a lot more like the mid 2010s, whatever you call that decade. Um, Like that decade of Saints football, where they're much more, Vertical shots off play action, you know, the deep post type stuff that we saw to Marquez Callaway in the preseason. Um, You know, they're going to be more like cycle multiple backs in, I think. You know, they're going to not that Alvin Kamara is going to lose touches, but I think that Jones could see some more work. Uh, Do you have a spot where like you'd like to see Latavius Murray land or is this he's basically just like the next guy in terms of like he's just going to screw up somebody else's backfield opportunity? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, not as someone who plays fantasy football. No, he'd rather fewer (laughs) bodies. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, New Orleans didn't do him great there. So hope he lands on his feet. But 31 years old. No, I mean, no, I mean, no, he's not that not that exciting to this stage of his career. Yeah, definitely not. There is I could see this team potentially kicking him around um, just because they have a potentially injured starter. There's some questionable depth back there. Austin Eckler, apparently not practicing on Wednesday, mm. uh, was working with mm. trainers on the sideline. I wonder maybe, maybe the chargers kick around Latavius Murray, if there's something there, but also I don't know about you, Dalton, but I feel like NFL teams are getting, 
I'm going to be talking out of both sides of myself here because like the next topic on our rundown is Curtis Samuel. And I kind of felt like, oh, they're just really taking it easy on Curtis Samuel. And like, maybe not actually, maybe there actually is a real problem there. But um, for example, a guy like DeAndre Swift is practicing fully this, this I'm ju- like, I'm jumping all over our outline here, but I, it is what it is. I'm trying to make a, a bigger point here, which is I think that NFL teams are getting more progressive in terms of their idea about like load management from a practice standpoint. Like we're not going to see, star mm, players yeah. high level players absolutely like, do the NBA. yeah yeah exactly do the they're not going to do like the nba thing where you know austin Eckler is just suddenly not going to play for a month or something like that that's unrealistic with just the way the football schedule is built out but i do wonder if like we're going to need to basically just as a community come to learn that we don't need to react basically at all to like Wednesday practice reports, because I could see teams like, yeah, we're just not going to practice Austin Eckler on Wednesday. Cause like he felt a little uncomfortable this morning. And like, what's the point? Yeah. And especially with the extra week this season too, uh, makes sense. You bring up the perfect team though, the chargers, because uh, even oh, before yeah, the reports of, of Eckler, of Eckler being injured now, even before that, that was a team that really needed a power back that just did not emerge. No one among the, the Jackson, Kelly or Roundtree. So Murray would have been an interesting landing spot would be L.A. there. But yeah, Eckler news. We just have we're just we're flying blind here. We have no idea why it sounds like he was on the side. So hopefully it's not serious. But obviously, you don't love to see that after spending such a high pick on him. And then the Wednesday before week one sitting out. But you're right. Hopefully, there's going to be a ton more sitting out of practices this week given, you know, the injuries of the way the the league is going and the fact that there's a whole nother game they have to play. I think this is a topic that we'll like kind of have to revisit during the middle of the season. Like what what has really been the effect of the extra week? And again, I think just coaches are probably just more progressive about it in general. Like the whole we're not showing up to OTAs, like that little movement by the players that did not work out during the season. But I think that there's it's not a total lost cause in terms of well, how can we change the conversation moving forward to keep guys healthier um, and everything like that. So, yeah, let's let's keep an eye on that. But, yeah, with Austin Eckler, I mean, it is a little difficult because I guess Justin Jackson is the number two running back here, I guess. But, you know, we all thought Josh Kelly like was slam dunk the number two running back coming into last year. And, and I guess he kind of was and then he wasn't. So. I do, if Austin Eckler is limited at all in week one, I'm very interested in terms of like who takes the number two rep here because Eckler has, I love Austin Eckler. He's one of my longtime guys, but he could, you know, he could miss time, something like that, no doubt. Uh, So I think it's important to to decide, to see like who is the number two back in this uh, team at some point. Oh, it's 100% important. You got budding superstar Herbert at QB and and Eckler. Even when Eckler is putting up all the PPR points, can the guy really withstand that many carries? So a power back could emerge. So for sure, upside upside to be had there. All right. I mentioned that Curtis Samuel um, appeared to re-injure himself after running a few routes in practice on Wednesday. There's talk that he can miss week, week one with what has been like kind of a recurring groin injury. I know that like, there's been some talk on like injury Twitter <laughs> about like yeah, maybe he ends up just getting the surgery now that it seems like he's he'd kind of put off or whatever um, or, you know, was trying to come back through. You know, I love Samuel. You know, I love like this offense in general. I've been gassed up about Washington all year. But um, what's what's kind of your take on this one here? Uh, it's just unfortunate. He's been battling this injury seemingly all summer. Um, Logan Thomas is going to eat our guy McLaurin is going to scary Terry is going to be a top 
10, if not top five fantasy wideout this year. And uh, the big news, I kind of flew under the radar, but did you see that uh, Antonio Gibson supposedly uh, had his fluid drained from his toe and he says he's good to go. So maybe he'll soak up some of these extra targets if, if Samuel's yeah. going to be unavailable. But I'm with you. I'm a Samuel guy as well. We liked the idea of him following Turner, you know, from Carolina to Washington. But the guy just simply, you just can't, can't rely on him health-wise at this point. It, it, it's unfortunate. Adam Humphreys, if you're in a super, super duper deep PPR league, I mean, Fitzpatrick reportedly was feeding him out of the slot uh, in training camp. I mean, if you really want to go deep here, but yeah, it's unfortunate for Samuel. Deami Brown too. I yeah, definitely think no, Deami no. Brown should be on everybody's radar. Uh, Cause the guy's good. Like I think he can play. And I would imagine that, like, I think actually that Washington's best, you know, one, two, three would be uh, Brown, Samuel and uh, McLaurin, obviously, but it's kind of tough because the Carolina staff with him in, in 2019 that's now present with uh, them in, there in Washington, obviously Rivera and Scott Turner, as you mentioned, they viewed Samuel as an outside vertical receiver. I think he can thrive in that role, but I guess there's a chance that like Brown could come out there and play really well that then they have to kind of say, like, how can we can we get Samuel into some slot reps where he played mostly last year? If Samuel can come back and be healthy at some point, it only makes this offense better. But I'm with you that... Like, I would keep a deep league radar on Deami Brown, but probably the answer here is closer to like a 30% target share for Terry McLaurin, which would be juicy. You know, um, you know, more targets for Logan Thomas, who is already basically like he played a ton of slot receiver last year anyways. He was kind of their slot guy. So I, I think that's just good news for him. Gibson, obviously, we know he's got problems in terms of like his third down work with J.D. McKissick there, but with Antonio Gibson is out there running routes on like first and second down. He's going to catch. I, I think he still catches 40 plus passes pretty easily this year. I think like my bold prediction for our, our bold prediction piece was that he leads the NFL in total touchdowns and his top five and yards from scrimmage. Like that's how excited I am about him as a player. And I mean, this all just comes back to to Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think is a steal as a, as a late round quarterback as well. It's a great schedule to open up the year. It Samuel would kind of be the icing on the cake, but even if he's not there, I still think they have a really strong offense. Gibson has a legitimate top five overall fantasy upside. And right after the big six tight ends, I think Logan Thomas is in a clear tier by himself next. As he, I know some people kind of fading him, emerging, breaking out as a 30-year-old, but the targets were so extreme last year, and he's upgraded quarterback, and I think they're going to be there again, especially with Samuel going down. No, you sure as hell will not catch me fading the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, oh, yeah. Logan know. Thomas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Logan Thomas, I think, is is it kind of did go underranked all offseason, basically. But I hope that Samuel can get healthy. And like, even if he just needs to rest for the month of September, like maybe that's just the best thing for him. But who knows, man? It's not looking good right now. It's pretty unfortunate. Uh, we will see if he can get back to it at some point. Cordero Patterson's the second running back in Atlanta. Uh, you buying this one? Uh, what's, 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 what the hell's going on with this Falcons backfield? They add Wayne Gallman. I guess like Mike Davis is firmly established as the RB one, but I don't know, man, I could see, I could see this going so many different ways in Atlanta, but I feel like Cordero Patterson being the number two running back is something I'm not buying long-term. I'm not buying it either. And Wayne Gallman surprisingly popped in rushing yards over expectation last year is a small sample and maybe meaningless, but um, it's at least maybe worth noting. Um, but I, and I, I feel a little like bit we more. talked about Gallman, like on a couple of our podcasts, man. And like he, he actually played, I think he played pretty well within the confines of a very bad giants offense for the most part. 
the Niners released him because they invested like a lot in the position. It wasn't necessarily an indictment of him. But when I read a little bit more into the Atlanta situation, they're like, yeah, he made it over Allison because of his special teams ability. But I'm with you. I'm yeah. still not, I'm not buying Patterson as a running back option. And I'm not also buying uh, Mike Davis withholding a full workload. So I think Gallman is a very, very interesting late round, last round flyer. Yeah, it just wouldn't surprise me if like, I think Mike Davis is going to lead the team in touches. He might. I might be way underrating him. If he, if, even if he can't withstand the workload, he might be like a top 10 option the first month of the year, though, because, I mean, Arthur Smith calling plays yeah. and apparently the only competition is Cordero Patterson. I mean, I, yeah, and PPR formats, I mean, he was quite helpful replacing CMC last year. And with yeah. Arthur Smith, Kyle Pitts, and, and Ridley and indoors, I mean, he absolutely could be very, very valuable if he can with, you know, withhold being a feature back. That was basically what I was going to exactly what I was going to say, which is like, I think that he like I could see him leading the team in touches overall from a season long standpoint. But most of that comes in like September, October. And then like Gallman is the guy in, in friggin December or something or Allison gets called up from the practice squad and, and he's kind of maybe getting some work at some point. Like, I don't know. It just it just seems tough to imagine that this offense is just going to run through Mike Davis. You know, it just, it, it, he can be, how many times have we been screwed by the whole, well, there's no one else argument in, in fantasy. Right. And Davis did play pretty well last year, but so much of that was also based on receptions. Like Carolina threw to running backs, even without CMC there, they threw to running backs at a pretty high rate. So I don't know that that's going to be the way it goes in Atlanta. So yeah, it's, I'm still very skeptical of the whole Mike Davis thing, but it is like, (laughs) If the if the there's no one else argument was ever present for a player, I mean, damn, it it might just be Mike Davis with friggin' CPAT as his number two back. One hundred percent. He's and he's going so late in some drafts. I'm frustrated. The guy's going to zero RB. I'm like, even though I don't know part of him, I am worried that he will beat me for sure. I mean, do you remember those thigh pictures back in June? I mean, the man oh, yeah. has a massive trunk, so uh, he could he. It, you have a great point. Uh, it, it is a great test test case, though. I mean, there's no one else there whatsoever, and. It's interesting with the coach and the other skill positions around him, skill position players. So it, it, he, he's definitely interesting, but I remain skeptical. It is also like we'll see how much Dean Pease can do with that defense. Like Dean Pease is a great coordinator and has put together some really good defenses at times. But my God, that from like a personnel standpoint, that defense leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, maybe they're just going to blitz the hell out of teams and, and be really aggressive like that. But you'd probably want Mike Davis in like a banger role in for like a team with a good defense. That's, that's like how, that's how the Titans with Arthur Smith were always playing in those positive game scripts. Right. Well, I guess not always because their defense wasn't very good last year. So I don't know. I just, I do remain very like, I think Mike Davis is one of the more interesting guys this year because he could just go in so many different ways. And I, I would still be surprised if he's just like a clear cut high end RB two. you know, by the time things are all said and done here. Um, I mentioned DeAndre Swift earlier. He's practicing fully. That's great because he was kind of on the shelf for a long period of time in the offseason with a groin, I think also a groin injury. And, um, you know, there was some kind of like Dan Campbell's a little bit mixed message. Like DeAndre Swift is a guy that I could see immediate. I said this in the video I recorded today. Like I could see him coming out in week one and making all of, I don't, I don't really remember where you stood on DeAndre Swift Dalton, but like, I could make all of us who I didn't draft him. I don't think I drafted him one single time in any, in any draft this year. I don't think I drafted him any time. Um, never was really tempted to, even when his ADP kind of fell a little bit. Cause I just generally don't want to like 
use picks in the first five rounds on guys that in on offenses that might be truly terrible, but there's a chance because he's athletic, he's young, and is probably going to catch passes. There's a chance. I think if any player comes out in week one and just makes me look like a, and all the rest of us who didn't draft him may just make us look like total idiots. I think Swift could be that guy. Yeah, I have plenty of hot takes, but my, uh, DeAndre Swift is not one of them. He's like my Mike Davis <laughs> 2, 2.0 in the sense of I, I've avoided him, but I'm terrified that he's going to beat me for sure. I mean, if you're getting him in full PPR leagues in the fourth and fifth round of these overall contests, I mean, he could be your your, your league winner. I mean, the guy's a rookie, 10 touchdowns, 13 games, 60 targets, and he's going to get so many targets. This year. You can't you have to project him for 100 targets with the, with the offense around him. There are just no receivers. And then just Hawkinson. So the setup's so good. Good, but they have the recurring groin injury dating back to Georgia. Um, Jamal Williams has been referred to as 1A. Um, is Anthony Lynn their, their play caller, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. There's other there's negatives, too. I mean, so, yeah, he's, he's one of the bigger, probably the biggest boom or bust fantasy player I can think of this year. Yeah, I think the fact that I think Dan Campbell or someone else on that staff had mentioned like Alvin Kamara as a role projection for him. Obviously, Anthony Lynn has has crafted a really nice role with Austin Eckler over the last few years. Like, I think that's the look, there's no way, not no way, but there's a very low percentage chance that DeAndre Swift is going to come out week one against your 49ers and like slash it up as a rusher. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably not going to happen. Um, it's probably not going to be that type of game script. But is there a chance that he comes out and runs like 35 routes and, ca- you know, gets 10 targets, catches eight passes, looks really electric in the open field? I think that would be the signal that we'd get where it'd be like, oh, man, like we might have underrated this guy. Yeah, he gets high value targets, too, if he gets him at the goal line, too. Remember, he could have even 11 touchdowns. He dropped that one week one, would have knocked people out of Survivor. Sure. But yeah, no, Swift looks like a game's ne- one of those games that stars the position. But, but definitely injury red flags. And what do you make of, like, the, just saying the infrastructure? I mean, Detroit, like, how many backs is well? I mean, that's just silly hogwash anecdotal stuff. But the infrastructure of Detroit and the coaching staff, I don't know. I just don't trust them. But that's it's anecdotal and silliness to say that but uh i don't know maybe maybe that's it'll be to my detriment man because if he stays healthy again swift will be like a easily if he stays healthy swift will be a slam dunk first round ppr fantasy pick in 2022 mm. yeah well that hey dalton you said you didn't have any hot takes uh, on deandre swift that was a pretty hot take okay. uh, there right. so i mean you make you got yourself around to a, a spicy dalton take on that one but no i mean i think that you're right about there's some questions about this Detroit coaching staff overall. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of um, old school football guys there on this squad in that coaching staff, everything like that. But um, I also think too, that I buy, I do buy into sort of like that. They might be a multi-back operation, you know, Jamal Williams, I think will play at at different points. So um, I do buy into that at the very least. Uh, Just that's kind of my two cents there. Dalton, Traquan Smith back at practice. Do you care? I mean, he's interesting in the sense of Callaway was the highest uh, wide receiver riser throughout summer. He's available on free agent wires in leagues that drafted a couple months ago right in this first turn. I saw him go for 100% in one league, 20% in another. I mean, in these big high-stakes leagues, he's been rising to the eighth round. And what, Traquan Smith suddenly back at practice. So, yeah, it's an interesting situation given Michael Thomas is, you know, out until week seven or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, the Marquez Callaway thing kind of got away from us, don't you think? <laughs> 
<laughs> like Apparently, I have what I just said. Yeah, hundred percent. I saw someone spin up that. I saw him going in the eighth round regularly. Uh, yeah, it's it's. He had the great catches in college. You got uh, Emmanuel Sanders hyping him in uh, previously. I guess saying he's the real deal. But I mean, Dante Harris is there too, right? I mean, but I, you got the Winston situation. Uh, I could see the upside, but man, boy, uh, a lot of a lot of risk there as well, g- given his pedigree. Right. Or and I mean, <laughs> even, even if he is the guy, like the clear cut guy over Traquan Smith, which I could believe because I think Traquan Smith is like totally a jag, right? Like just another guy, whatever. But man, even if he's that, even if he's the number one, is he really going to like not just be usurped by Michael Thomas right away? As soon as Michael Thomas gets back, you know, and Thomas is back there again, like seeing 12 targets a game or something like that. So, yeah, I think the Marquez Cowley thing definitely got away with got away from us, even if I think he's a pretty solid prospect. Um, but, yeah, trick on Smith being back, it definitely it helps, though. It helps this receiver core, which absolutely needed it. Because, I mean, if even if Marquez Cowley is a really good starter, they're still very, very shallow behind him. And I just I struggle to see Jameis Winston like supporting the infrastructure of this team if it's you know, just Marquez Callaway and a bunch of goofballs back there. So I think that Traquan Smith <laughs> definitely uh, will help uh, overall in that regard. Speaking of James Winston, let's talk Thursday night preview. I say speaking of James Winston because his old team, the Bucks, is there. That's what you call a very clumsy transition, people. Cowboys at Bucks. Uh, let's talk kind of the angle about this game overall. Obviously, 51 and a half point total. The Bucks are favored by eight. Dalton, we have single game DFS. At Yahoo for the first time, it's pretty exciting. Uh, let me tell you what, dude. I was going through the sing- – I do this for my column every single week. I go- I'm going to go through like the single-game DFS implications for all these primetime contests. Let me tell you what, man. You could build a pretty exciting lineup with the salary and the budget that we give you on Yahoo for this uh, particular game. What are your overall thoughts about this contest as a whole? Most pick teams, or do you think the Cowboys are live dogs here, you know, with their offense? And I'm loaded up on on Cowboys on all my fantasy teams. A lot of Zeke, a lot of Dak, a lot of CD. Um, but this is a horrible matchup in Tampa Bay without, without Zach Martin, possibly. Uh, it's, it's, it's not ideal to start off. So uh, what are your thoughts, Harmon? Yeah, I, I had a, a buddy of mine who's a Cowboys fan text me. Um, who do you think? Who are you thinking for Survivor this week? And I said, Well, I hate to tell you, buddy, but I'm I'm thinking about picking the Bucks because I think this is just such a smash spot for Brady. Um, number one, I think we can expect the Cowboys defense to be better this year uh, than the absolute train wreck that it was last year, but there's still a long way to go for this to be like a competent unit. You know, they're changing systems for the third time in three years. Um, it's just, I, I could see this being a bit of a slow start for them. I could also see this being a bit of a slow start for the Cowboys offense overall. Um, you know, Dak has, I, I'm, I'm fine with all Cowboys this year. Like whatever happens tomorrow, tonight, you know, for people listening to this, whatever happens Thursday night, isn't really going to change my opinion about the Cowboys overall this year, but I could a hundred percent see Dak being a little rusty in this game. Like my guy, he hasn't, he hasn't had any game action since week five of last year. He's obviously coming off a devastating injury. Then another issue, this all off season, like he basically has done nothing all training camp, did nothing all preseason. So like if he's a little rusty, 
against this team that absolutely got after it against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, that would be 0% surprising. And Tampa Bay was good all last year defensively. They were number five in overall defensive DVOA. They were obviously number one against the run. So it's going to be tough to establish the run with Zeke Elliott against this defense, especially if Zach Martin's out. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of issues facing Dallas in this particular game. First off, most importantly, I got Joe Tryon as long odds as Defensive Rookie of the Year. So root for a sack on Thursday night for me. Um, Speaking of Thursday night games, this would be the second time Tom Brady would end my Survivor season before Sunday of week one because I was on him when the Pats blew that lead to the, it was a Kareem Hunt's debut with the Chiefs on Alex Smith that one Thursday night. But I'm with you. I think it's a smash spot here. I like the the Cowboys skill position players, but they're still more of a fantasy team. They might win 10 games in that division and and, they'll compete, but... Tampa Bay has brought back their whole roster. They look absolutely loaded. It, it, I mean, just totally top to bottom. Um, I will I will throw out something at you that you can that you can argue with me. Maybe talk some sanity to me because um, I think you you countered in one of your don't care columns. So I've kind of been targeting uh, Ronald Jones, and I think he is the the guy that I know. The, oh. Now Gio Bernard's high, Gio Bernard's high ankle sprain. Is apparently fine. So I don't, you know, it would be better if you didn't play, I guess. But I don't think Ronald Jones can catch anything, catch cold, I said. But he he is a far better runner than Leonard Fournette, who's been not seeing the field much in preseason. Maybe it's nothing. And I'm buying in that, that with this team's going to win 13 games or 14 games, playing with leads. Right. Uh, and and, and I, you may, you're going to tell me it's going to be a headache again. But I'm going to tell you that I'm the one wasting the eighth, ninth round pick on, on Ronald Jones on, on all my leagues. I don't hate it. Uh, I mean, I just like, do we really think he completely kind of like, I mean, he's not going to completely usurp Leonard Fournette, right? So like, I mean, he might think he might. I think he's that good. We'll see. I'm probably wrong. But that's that's my theory is that 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 he's going to be the feature back, but he's only going to catch. I get like like my guy, Damian Harris. There's no upside. Like there's not like overall amazing upside, but there's Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. There's guys that don't catch a ton of balls that are still. And I think Damian Harris and Ronald Jones on teams that are going to be really good and really good offensive lines and defenses and infrastructures and, and, and coaches. I think those are the guys in the dead zone. Well, past the dead zone, even way past the dead zone. Even uh, those are my yeah. guys that I've been, that I've been falling to. That makes sense. And I think too, with, um, with Ronald Jones specifically, like for this game, this is not like a Gio Bernard game at all. You know, like even if Gio wasn't banged up with the ankle sprain or anything like that, I again I think the Bucks are going to control the action here. They're favored by 8. Like I think they're going to be in positive game scripts. That's a perfect situation for a guy like Ronald Jones. So, um this week definitely I totally understand if you need the help at the like if you went 0 RB or here, you know, here are all these stupid little phrases or whatever. Um if you're a little light on running back <laughs> options, but one of those guys later around for you was Ronald Jones. Yeah, I definitely think this is a good this looks like a good week to use Ronald Jones. And just for some context in our single game DFS contest, Leonard Fournette, 20 bucks, Ronald Jones, 17. So I think he might be the better value there. I just, I do struggle to like, just see him completely send Leonard Fournette to, to the, to the scrap heap, you know? And, and like, if they're going to split that early down work, 
that's going to be tough to to rely on with like neither one of them really catching. Oh, passes. he's going to go out there and fumble twice Thursday night or immediately or drop a ball bad on national TV, get booed <laughs> and benched or Fournette will come out for the first two series or something. Yeah, I, I hear you. I'm just setting myself up for for a dramatic, ultimate heartache for sure. But um, yeah, if it's a if it's a split backfield with Geo getting all the targets, that's a that's a major, major problem. But 17 bucks in this DFS one. And then Antonio Brown at 18. You got to like him with it, even oh, if yeah. Godwin is limited and how he's been looking and just the fact that Brady absolutely absolutely loves him but are you buying the Antonio Brown looks four to five years younger I had the had the long put off uh, knee surgery um I don't know that I'm buying he's that good but uh I think people just kind of forget how good he was last year I mean Brown at his peak like we're talking like four to five years ago Antonio Brown at his peak was playing like one of the five best receivers to ever play pro football period like that's how good he was at his peak um I don't know that he's going to get back to there but last year he was already a a pretty good starter and people were drafting him as if he was just a good starter like number three receiver for the bucks or whatever but he's not he's Antonio Brown like he does at least have that past and pedigree within his range of outcomes or whatever I don't know again I don't know that that's realistically that's going to happen again this year um I don't know that I'm buying he's suddenly going to be Antonio Brown of four to five years ago but like I think there's a chance that the I I ranked Chris Godwin ahead of all these other guys. I think that he's the guy that's clearly on the upward trajectory of his career. We never really fully got to see Godwin and Brady click together. Um, I I think that that could happen this year. I just lo- I think people are forgetting how good of a player Godwin is. But and maybe you could argue that people are forgetting how good of a player Mike Evans is. But I could I could also see like the gap between Evans and Brown be much closer than their ADP suggested because, you know, Brown was a guy who was being drafted after wide receiver 30. And obviously Mike Evans was a guy near sort of wide receiver one territory. But um, yeah, Antonio Brown, I totally buy, especially in this game, probably should have the best cornerback receiver matchup. And I mean, whoever is like the second outside corner for Dallas is just going to get lit up by these guys. I think it could be Antonio Brown, who um, I do buy is still like, there's still more, even though last year was already good from what we saw from what we saw from him. I think there's even more possibly there for Antonio Brown. And then you love the fact that Brady had second and end zone attempts last year. So he really can keep three receivers fantasy values going this season. Your thoughts on CD lamb being 19 and Amari Cooper being 16 Cooper looked uh, healthy, I guess uh, after some, uh, some scare over the summer. Well, before, before I answer that one, like I just also want to just, put to the like no matter what like I'm not fading one of these Bucks receivers like I'm all in on all of these guys because I just think there's a chance Brady could have like a special season this year you know Bruce Arians even saying like hey uh, you know Tom barely knew the offense like I'm, Bruce Arians is like always blowing smoke but I mean I do think that there is some legitimacy to the idea that everybody in Tampa was saying we only felt like we got rolling you know in the second half of the year and Brady's like per game stats from week 14 um to week to the, to the to the damn Super Bowl, um, basically would have spelled out like five thousand yards, forty seven touchdowns on a seventeen game schedule. I think that's the bare minimum. I, I really legitimately think that's like five thousand yards, forty seven touchdowns. That's what we're working with from like a, a median projection. And I think you know as long as there's no disasters or whatever. But I think there's a bigger ceiling. Like there's a 2013 Peyton Manning ceiling in Brady's range of outcomes, and I think he could get started pretty big against this Cowboys defense on Thursday night. On those receivers, though, for Dallas, like the interesting thing about building these these single game DFS lineups, for at least for this contest in particular, I found it very easy to do Brady and then Brown and Godwin or Brown and Evans, like pick whichever one you want there and then still get like 
CD Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott in there. I think it's tough with Zeke. Like he's not, you're not loving the upside in this spot, right? Because of everything that I've said earlier about the run defense and just the overall setup for Dallas. But you can pretty easily get any of these Cowboys receivers in there that you want. I kind of, I kind of think that CD Lamb would have the best theoretical matchup. Like if there's a, if if he's still going to run as mostly a slot receiver, which I think he will, he won't run as many slot routes as he did last year. But I think he'll definitely still get those middle of the field layup routes against zone coverage. You know. Some of those guys like Devin White last year, not good in coverage because he's more of like a heat-seeking missile. Levante David obviously is a middle field coverage guy. Pretty good situation there. I think their their slot corner can be had. I think some of their safeties are good, but could still be you know maybe more exploited than the outside coverage there. Uh, for and especially too like it's great that Tyron Smith and uh, Lael Collins are back for the Cowboys, but. As you mentioned, Joe Tryon like sprinkling in on top of a pass rush that already has JPP and already has Shaq Barrett. And if they're in negative game script all night, I could see dump offs to like CD Lamb and dump offs to Ezekiel Elliott being the way they mostly move the ball in this spot. Good stuff. Um, circling back to CD real quick, a moderately interesting stat I, I looked up that he had twice as many targets inside the five last year with Dak Prescott. Then Keenan Allen had all of last season uh, total, and he just wow. just with Dak. So they, I, I just think the TD upside. It's like five games. <laughs> is, yeah, the TD upside is 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 really there um, for him. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. Zeke's a tough one for me. The price here. I felt like with my lineup, I'm looking at both quarterbacks because I just feel like Dak's going to be more playing yeah. from behind. But that could equal a ton of targets for for Zeke too. But the half point PPR uh, in, in in Yahoo. But um, I'm, I'm with yeah. Brady could go absolutely crazy with Gio Bernard there now receiving back. He didn't have one last year, and the knee surgery was supposedly real. The fact, the playbook was real. It was a weird offseason last year, not just the fact learning a whole new system. And some of those receivers weren't 100% either, including Antonio Brown. So it's weird to say at 44, a special season, because what does a special season even entail with Brady? Winning two Super Bowls? I mean, uh, what can he do? But you're right. Yeah, I mean, right. he might he might throw for 50 touchdowns. I mean, it's it, the setup there is pretty pretty ridiculous in Tampa Bay. It looks It looks really good. If you do actually like just from the DFS angle, as you're talking about, like if you do go with both quarterbacks, it's then still pretty like I think Brady's got to be your guy in the quote superstar so, spot. Yeah, that's what I have get him, that yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do like if you're not doing that, come on, give me a break. Um, but like if you actually sub out Zeke Elliott for your boy Ronald Jones and then you play Dak. You can still run it back with Antonio Brown and then pick your Cowboys receiver, yep. you know, like pick yep. a uh, CD Lamb or um, Amari Cooper, who is the cheapest of the three too. Michael yep. Gallup actually $1 more expensive. And um, if we're going off their roles from last year, I think that CD and Amari Cooper are probably better plays in this particular spot uh, than a guy like Michael Gallup would be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe you go with uh, Cooper just because uh, having a it's more of a unique lineup, leaving like four bucks of a budget as opposed to trying to get closer just because CD makes you closer to, to filling it all. So look at a little roster uh, roster chip there, uh, percentage it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It should be a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. I'll play. And uh, I, uh, I'm like I said, I got a ton of Cowboys. It's not the easiest matchup there. It's a good setup for Tampa Bay, but still you can't feel great putting your survivor on the line with Dak Prescott and those three receivers know, and, yeah. and Zeke, because it's like, you know, when they bring their a game and the coaching doesn't matter if they get on fire coming behind, you know, it's like the upside's obviously there, but yeah, on paper, I'm with you. It's a smash spot for Tampa. 
Well, at least if you pick Bucks in your Survivor, uh, at least you know you've got a whole lot more free time than you were thinking about for this <laughs> year because you're you damn things over after week one. So it's a real way to open up your schedule. Um, love the DFS thoughts there. Love the roster construction thoughts. And speaking of Daily Fantasy, launching tomorrow as our newest podcast, Yahoo Sportsbook Daily, where our industry-leading experts will attempt to make you money by giving you the sharpest betting advice across all sports. Search for it on your podcast platform of choice and subscribe to get new episodes daily. Also, more daily fantasy stuff. I'm going to have a podcast on this here feed where you're already at, dear listener, with TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. It's a little 4 for 4 Yahoo collaboration there. We're going to be just talking all things daily fantasy. It's going to come out Saturday morning. Um, it's going to be exciting. I'm really, really gassed up. TJ's a longtime friend of mine. Like, literally one of the, our TJ and I's first shows, you know, to get like not together but like in the industry period was actually a little sunday morning live show we did in like 2014 so real big glow up moment for tj real big glow up moment especially for me so i'm very very excited for this podcast as well but listen dalton we got a lot a lot of podcasts going on a lot of stuff i can't believe we have games tomorrow um or today as you're listening to this i gotta not get into my head about that and just let it go the listeners of the chris harris uh, chris harris's podcast know that i struggle with this so if there's any crossover here the people will be very excited about that but dalton very uh good to be podcasting with you again i'm excited for this weekend yeah i do definitely looking forward to the weekly pod and we'll have some more you know stats to uh, nerd over as the season goes on oh absolutely no question about that in the meantime, make sure you check out Yahoo's Sportsbook Daily Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're getting ready for all that. We got games tomorrow, man. We've got games this weekend. I'm so excited. I'm so happy week one is here. This is great. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Dalton, keeping busy because he may be back here with Liz Loza tomorrow. But until then, we are out. We are out.